are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? We're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 442, a.k.a. Year 9, Week 18. Coming at you this week, as always, I'm your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with... MC and... KS. And this is your regularly scheduled Saturday broadcast. We do it on Clubhouse. Uh, It took me a third less the time to figure out how to start the room on the Clubhouse there, so I'm, I'm learning... How that stupid thing changed, uh, and and so you can too. So if you're listening to this post show uh, and want to participate live, we know you don't, but that's where we do it. So join the club. Uh, the Anarchist Experience is the name of the club, or you can find me somehow and at me at Riches for Rich R I C H E S the number four R I C H, and then you'll be able to you know get invited into the room. We open it to the public. You can raise your hand, say what you got to say. And then piss off with the rest of your weekend. Uh, what is going on with you guys this week? Uh, well, um, we had a uh, a party to to commemorate Sherlock Holmes last night. Okay, and uh, that's odd, party. but all right. And I watched a movie l- last week. What movie did you watch? The best movie ever. Wow. It's called Strays. It's about dogs. Oh, I've downloaded <laughs> that. I didn't get to it. <laughs> I do about one a week, and this week it was Blue Beetle. <laughs> about stray beetles? Uh, it's, a, it's a DC superhero movie. Just. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I saw that one listed somewhere, yeah. Okay. Well, tell me about strays and Blue Beetles. Um, I don't want to spoil it. Um, if you like raunchy dogs, then yeah, it's you a, like strays. It's a bunch of raunchy comedians doing the voices for the pets or for the strays. Is like the oh, easiest okay. synopsis. So the film is visually stray dogs, but uh, the comedians are giving them voices, yeah. voices. and personality. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, that sounds good. And Blue yeah. Beetle is just your standard run of the mill DC superhero action film. Like there's, you know, a new superhero, a beetle. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, got to you got to get all the insects. You know, <laughs> Spider Man, Ant Man, Beetle Man. <laughs> If you're a fan of the genre, you'll be fine, right? If you're not a fan of the genre, it's definitely not for you. It was probably, you know, right down the middle, boilerplate superhero action film, right? So if that's your thing, fantastic. If that's not your thing, oh, well. Um, I'm sure there are going to be people complaining about it because... uh, There must be a a clever new angle to the powers of this uh, superhero. It kind of has, it's it doesn't have any powers you haven't seen before, oh, but it has okay. a bunch of powers that other superheroes have individually. Is this the one where they, uh, there's several of them, and they, the power is that it switches their powers? No. Oh, that's a different one. Yeah. That's the all women one where they they're, they're supposed to have um, powers, but the the villain switches them around, so they all are suddenly. Um, empowered with things that they're not familiar with. Okay. Um, okay, I just saw the trailer of that one. Okay, so... I'm intrigued because I have not seen the trailer for that one and I don't know hmm. where that's coming yeah, from. Yeah, just, just look at all, all women, yeah, search all women uh, superheroes. Movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's... It's probably the, not that good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so that, you know, that was... There was the underlying conflict uh, or underlying concept with Blue Beetle right where it was you know the 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 poor mexicans versus the elite corporations i don't even know if it, i don't you know i don't even know what city it took place in panama or something i don't know but it was you know oh, the the rich people are taking over and they're destroying it and you know then then the poor mexican kid gets superpowers and foils the plots of the evil corporation but the evil corporation was making military weapons so 
say what you will about that. But well, that's evil it. corporations. That's that goes with capitalism, right? Just got right. So there's there's an undertone of you know that anti-capitalist mentality. Is if, that common to all the superhero films, or, or um, are there some superheroes that are capitalistic friendly? I mean, I, I thought that um, Batman had some friendly uh, things towards capitalism at one point, uh, yeah. and uh, Iron Man did too. Right? Yep those those are the two standouts for capital. So. You know, they, they, they're doing the Blue Beetle thing, and there's, you know, one spoiler alert, there's, you know, one part of it where they're talking about the old Blue Beetle, the person formerly in the costume of the Blue Beetle, um, and how he was just, you know, a rich guy with a lot of tech. And then they go like, oh, like Batman? You know, the, the white billionaire. And like, ah, oh, Batman's a fascist. Right, and that's the, that's the joke. They actually say that? Something, yeah, something to that effect. Yeah. So... That was it. That's that was my movie. I mean, like I said, I I download them because they're available for free, and I pirate them because hey, intellectual property is not real property. But I only get one, maybe two movies in a week, amongst other things. But there's other stuff going on, right? You mentioned it, uh, KS, an auto worker strike, and when you mentioned it, I went, well, that might be a good place to start because. I, I saw a headline, I didn't pull it for show prep, but I saw a headline from the Mises Institute where they were saying that the strike is bad for auto workers. I mean, well, that's the opposite of what you would expect from that type of activity. So what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I, I can certainly understand the sentiment of, um, of auto workers who, I mean, they, they're getting public reports from the companies and they say that uh, uh, the corporate heads are you know raking in billions of dollars worth of of, um, of um, bonuses and pay and so on like that at a time when uh, the workers pay hasn't gone up as much okay and uh, and so there's this grumbling about well, whatever it is work conditions and so on although I imagine that United Auto Workers are probably um, paid pretty well compared to a lot of other workers in the in the sure in the US um, nevertheless, the, the frustration at the disparity is, is bound to occur. Uh, actually, I, I have a, an issue with uh, um, the government support of major corporations, you know, the, the U, especially the auto industry. Years ago, when Chrysler was going to go bankrupt, the U.S. government stepped in with massive bailouts and massive trade barriers that shielded them from competition, helped them through the rough spot, as Lee Iacocca demanded way back in those days. Yeah, and, then and that's usually all, where I would draw the line, right? Like, I don't, I don't have a fundamental problem with unions. I have a fundamental problem with state-sponsored or state-backed or state-enforced unions. Yeah, yeah, okay. right. Continue. And, uh, you know, so the corporations aren't pure market phenomena either you know they're they're heavily supported through military contracts for lots and lots of um uh vehicle because i understand that a large portion of their vehicle production is for military operations okay and um uh, and they get all this uh, these subsidies and trade barriers to shield them from breaking up actually i think it'd be fantastic for the market if uh, chrysler or, or the mig the big motor companies did go bankrupt. It wouldn't mean that they go out of existence. It means that all the factories that they operated would um, operate independently and be sold off to other entities um, that could have to be profitable in order to continue to exist. So I think we'd have dozens of automobile companies instead of just the big three. Now, are you are you suggesting that they get broken up because they've you know they're too big, or no, 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 that- not that the government break them up? Okay. The government simply allow bankruptcy, which okay. would, which would um, allow the marketplace to buy up the pieces that are worthwhile keeping in operation. Because there are, so I, I think it's, you know, we have a, a corporate side that's heavily supported by government, and then we got a, a, then the labor side is heavily supported by government too, because then you have to join a union, and you can't. Uh, 
uh, replace a union worker if he goes on strike and so on like that. Um, so those are favors to the labor side. Yeah, and there, there are those, uh, you know, because I listen to a lot of tech shows as well, that will say that Google needs to be broken up because they're just too big. They have too much market dominance, right? And, and things would be better off if we broke them up and allowed, and the government stepped in and allowed competition. I went, well, you know, I'll, I will hear the argument that as a corporation, they are somewhat intertwined with the government to begin with. Uh, but at the same time, I don't, I, I don't like the idea of forcing productive, profitable companies to break up just because they've gotten good in their particular industry. That seems backwards. Yeah, it's a natural breakup if they're doing badly. <laughs> yeah, just uh, they, let they, that they, happen. If they're doing they good, let it go. Up. And if they're doing bad, you know, then then it will happen on its own without any interference. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as happened way back when... Lee Iacocca got all these subsidies from the federal government, then um, he wound up moving a lot of his operations abroad anyway. Uh, so the, uh, the so-called support to keep manufacturing in the United States didn't turn out that way after all, you know, because he got the support, he got the, uh, the, the boost, the financing, and then, you know, sort of with less fanfare and less headlines, uh, he moved a large quantity of his operations abroad, which was the necessary outcome from high wages that you're paying in this country. If the, if they, if the union demands high wages, uh, they'll get high wages until the company can move abroad to the lower wage area because they have to compete with, with companies that are all around the world you know, with, with much lower costs on, on wages. So, I mean, it's a natural impulse. Okay. Is, is that the suggestion on why it's going to hurt auto workers because they're asking for too much, you know, I, I suspect that is, but um, yeah, I didn't see that article. Okay, they may have other other things. Like I had a, I, I had mean, a. What were they asking for? A thirty-two hour work week? Uh, yeah, and, and more the, uh, more pay. Thirty-two hour work week. There was another big 40%, one like pensions. Yeah, forty percent pay increase. Well, you know, imagine. Um, I mean, yeah, and if you work more than thirty-two hours, then you get overtime pay, which is going to um, jack up the costs even more. So I'm guessing that um, they're going to price, price themselves out of the market. Okay. And so I had a I had a, a short conversation with my boss, another conversation with the boss about this topic, mm-hmm. right? And you know he's 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 always pro management, like to his own detriment. Um, he's like a corporate bootlicker, like completely. You know, my my number one duty is to protect the owner at all times. Until it's inconvenient for him to actually do that, right? Then it's uh-huh. then then the then the policy changes. But when he's dealing with, you know, the the lowly wage the low wage people, it's all I gotta protect the owner. Um, and then they do some shady stuff, and we already know we already do illegal stuff down there. So it's it's bullshit f- from the beginning. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm having this conversation with him, and like the union is asking for a forty percent pay raise. From management, I was like, "Good." He's like, "What?" Blah, blah, blah. He's like, "Flummoxed." But why is that good? Like, because that's what the union is there for. Like, that's that's why you join the union, right? <laughs> if they're going to make you join the union, the, the union is to collectively bargain on your behalf to get you a better deal than you could have gotten on your own. Like, that's that's like the number one function of the union. So, if your union is not negotiating with management for better pay, better benefits, less hours, you know, then, then they're not doing their job as a union. Um, like I don't, you know, and I generally, you know, if someone, someone, uh, truncated it down to like a very, very easy to digest dichotomy of workers versus management, right? Like workers mm-hmm. want the most amount of money for the least amount of effort, and management wants the most amount of effort for the least amount of money. And since no one is going to get their way, right, then that's where the negotiation happens and you find a happy medium somewhere in between, right? You're going to have to do a little bit of work, you know, to get a little bit more money. And from the management perspective, you're going to have to pay a little more to get a little bit more effort out of these people. 
um, you know, that's that's just the way it is. Um, so when when the union comes forward and says like we want forty percent more money for you know twenty percent less work hours uh, and all the other benefits in between, like at least you know where they're starting, right? The likelihood is they're not going to get all of that. But that's that's the that's the starting point for the negotiations, and the corp, you know, the corporate management is going to come back and it's like, well, that's that's ridiculous, right? But here's here's what we have the flexibility to do, right? But what's but what does the union have to concede in return, right? And so, and so the negotiation takes place, and if they're unable to come to a resolution uh, soon, right? Then you know, then then you strike, right? And again, I've never been in a union. I've never been on strike, um, but I have like walked out of jobs. I went, okay, that's you know, we did not we did not come to an agreement, so I'm going home until we do. And if we do not, then I am not coming back. Right? Like that's this is this is where that whole you know at will employment works in my favor. Right? You need someone in the in, you know in the, uh, the this was a restaurant job. You need someone on the line to cook the food. Right, I'm no longer doing it for what you offered me before. Right, you've you've asked for more hours. I've conceded. You've asked for this and that. I've conceded. Uh, now is the time to make good on your end. And if you don't, then I'm done. Right, and I gave I, I technically gave notice because I put this in a letter, you know. And then come time, you know, like they 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 sat on the letter over the weekend. And come time for my shift on Monday, prior to that, they gave me a call to to discuss the letter. And I go, you know, I'm like, this is, this is what I'm asking for. You know, I gave you guys, I, I actually gave them three options in the letter, you know, on, on what to do. But I think all of them included like them signing the letter, you know, as to show their agreement in one of the options. And they said, well, we'll take option one, but we're not signing. I go, well, then, then I don't trust you and I'm not coming in. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Why didn't I sign it if they agreed to it? And then, you know, and then the head chef goes, well, well, you got to come in because we need you tonight. I'm like, well, then sign, you know, like you, I gave you three days. He's like, you're not giving any notice. I'm like, the notice was the letter, bruh. You know, I put my notice in the letter as we are no longer in agreement, right? We need to get back in alignment or I'm not coming in. And that, you know, I never heard from the, I never heard from them again. Uh, and I was fine with that too, you know, but that's, that was me negotiating one-on-one, right? Like if, if all the line cooks at the time, right, decided that, hey, we're, we're on the same page as Rich, uh, we're putting our foot down for better working conditions and better pay and whatever, right, as, as the economy goes to shit, uh, you know, then, then management has to decide whether or not it's worth shutting the restaurant down for however many days it's going to take to rehire newbies, right, because we're not a union, we're not on strike, we just, we're, uh, we collectively quit, you know, and if it's worth it for them to rehire people uh, and and retrain and have the restaurant shut down for, you know, two weeks, three weeks, however long it takes, then just to acquiesce, you know, and, and give us a little bit more of what we, I would say, rightfully deserved or have earned, then that's that's on them, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, what's what's going to happen in, in the interim, right? Uh, we'll, we'll go out and find other jobs, probably. But they'll have much more trouble hiring, uh, and the way the economy is here, especially now, right? Like the replacement rate is much higher than what people are currently earning. In I believe, in my opinion, mm-hmm. right? Like you, what the the pay that we accepted when we took the job, no one is accepting anymore, and so all we, all you the the only reason to be there now uh, is because people are don't like change, right? It's scary. There's a fear of having to go out and find another job. Um, and so people just stay where they're at. Like, if I quit, you're not going to be able to hire. You will not find someone to do my job for what you're paying me anymore. You're lucky to have me at this. And you're lucky I haven't decided to go look for something better yet, right? Just not happening. Um, at my current job, they're looking for a, a, uh, an assistant service technician, because our current guy is overwhelmed and it is actually harming the business. Like the, the entire bottleneck stops with this guy. His name's Kenneth. 
Uh, he does customer service. He's the project manager. So he, he has, he is hands on, on every project our company does from the beginning and well past the end, like all the warranty claims, like he, he has to go do it. Um, and so he had an assistant and his assistant is apparently terrible. So they're either trying to get rid of the assistant or hire a new one. And so for months now we have had ads running, uh, on various, uh, job sites to hire someone and the applicants trickle in like one a week you know three a month and i go well what's the problem i go well you're clearly not offering enough money right like no one and it's 20 bucks an hour no one wants to be on the road all day as an assistant for 20 bucks an hour mm-hmm. right you you need to steal someone from another company at this point, and therefore you need to outbid the other company that has the quality talent that you need. Unemployment here is too low, right? Unemployment here is too low. You're not going to find, you know, a quality candidate off the street who just happens to not have a job yet. You have to acquire them from elsewhere, and which means you have to outbid the competition. And our owner is cheap. So like, okay, well, make it $22 an hour and see what happens. Like, all right. So... We've been running an ad for $22 and paying for it. They finally, just, you know, they finally decide to spend the money on sponsored ads on Indeed. I'm like, all right, well, we'll see. But I, you know, I, I still think you guys are underbidding the market because for whatever reason, you're not paying attention to the actual market. And since I got my new phone, uh, I have put the Indeed app on my phone because I'm going to start looking now, too, that I have a fancy schmancy phone capable of doing it. But I just, I relate to... I relate to the union side of things um, because it's easier, you know, when there's a bunch of you, right? One, one line guy, you know, one auto worker threatening to quit for better wages, right? Everyone else picks up the slack, right? Oh, Jim's out. You got to cover like Jim's station today uh, in addition to your own station until we find a replacement for Jim, right? And then that guy's frustrated after three weeks of doing two jobs and not getting paid anymore for it, right? But if everyone does it, well, then you, then you can have an impact on the company. But the company should still have the right to let everyone go and to start from scratch or close, should they wish. Right? That, sh- that should be well within the purview of management to go like, I don't like any of you guys. You, know, you can strike, but now, you're, now you will be reapplying for your job back because we don't honor that strike. And we'll see what happens. But, to, you know, to... The long-term impact, as you suggested, KS, uh, of loot, you know, getting outbid and going offshore, right? I kind of feel like that's that's a what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's always on the, that threat is always on the table, right? Lab, labor is always cheaper elsewhere. It it can't and it's not great be for those for those laborers. You know, I I, I find it interesting that. Labor unions say we're we're out for labor. Well, no, they're out for their particular uh, labor members, but they're not out for other laborers who would compete with them. You know, somebody else yeah. who uh, wants the job and is willing to take less. Uh, you know, um, it's great for them to have those jobs. And if if the union was out for labor in general, oh, that'd be great too. <laughs> but they're not. For all, I mean, you find this big. Um, I think it was Walter Williams who said that he was invited to South Africa as an honorary white during the the apartheid era to do his research on on labor, and he found that, uh, for example, the the whites only labor union were the strongest advocates of increasing the minimum wage of the blacks who weren't even allowed in their union. Why were they doing that? It was because they were trying to outlaw um, and you make them un, uncompetitive. By raising their wages, then then uh, the employers were more likely to hire the white white labor force. Okay. It was true in in the United States too. Back in the nineteen forties, uh, the unemployment rate for young black men was lower than for young white men. Lower unemployment rate, and it wasn't because there was any less discrimination in those days. It was because that they were. Um, sometimes paid less and therefore able to get a lot of employment that the um, whites weren't willing to work at. And um, by raising the minimum wage, it then removed the penalty for discriminating against blacks. 
know, you know, anybody who was uh, someone who discriminated against certain portion of the workforce and those who um, didn't discriminate now had to pay the same higher wages. So there was no, normally in the marketplace, if you discriminate on non-performance criteria, uh, you've got to pay more for it. And uh, so if you can raise the minimum wage so that uh, it eliminates that distinction between discrimination and non-discrimination, then there's going to be more of a discriminating outcome. Over the years, uh, the um, black unemployment rate quadrupled. And so it was a a tremendous harm for um, black employees. And then the alternative, when, when you raise the minimum wage and people can't get on the job training, they have to go to schools to get their training. Right. If you've got schools that are good schools, then you have an easier access than if you don't have schools or you have really bad schools, which was, was often the case for, for uh, uh, the black population. So what's, what's the solution? I mean, I, it, you know, to end racism, but how do you... How do you convince the collective that the union is harmful to their their needs and their goals, right? And to act against the union, right? Like if, you know, if 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 the strike is harming the workers, then the workers ought not strike, right? But you can't you can't go against the union, you know, be the scab, be the bribe, you know, cross the picket line. I mean, I guess you could, but you know, again, one guy, one guy on the job, right? The, even the the actor strike, right? Some of the TV hosts were like, "Well, this has gone long enough. We're going to go back to work now." And they just caught hell for it and backed down. Like, no, you're already important enough. Where you know you're the one that needs to help us. Well, there is still some competition between. Like, okay, there's still the three automobile companies. The the one, uh, I think it's Ford that more often has sort of. Um, conceded more benefits and so on than the other automobile companies, then in a sense of, in a sense, the competition is there. The other ones have to go along because uh, Ford has has granted um, better benefits or pay raises than, than the other ones. So they go along with that. And it's in the marketplace too. You know, workers know when the benefits are better than other company, the, the best power of any worker is to be able to just quit his job and go somewhere else where the conditions are better. And that's, that's where I think that companies that offer the better attraction for the best talent are going to do better in the marketplace too. Can, is, is, is it possible to suggest that part of those better conditions and better pay is because of the union, right? Like I don't, you know, GM, GM, let's say GM versus Ford, right? Yeah. For, Ford's got the union, the union votes for 32 hour work weeks, uh, 40% pay increases, and the GM guy, you know, the, the GM factory worker goes, man, I'd rather be at Ford right now. But th- doesn't, the, doesn't the fact that the union got those numbers up high enough that that's going to attract the best labor, right? Like everyone's already competing for a fixed number of union jobs. And so a mediocre GM guy's not even going to be able to get in to work at Ford to reap those benefits? Yeah, yeah they, they, I think that's an argument. But I think there are there are some companies in the United States uh, from foreign companies. I think Toyota, for example, was an example of a, of a company that offered very good benefits because they knew they were in a competing market and they needed to provide good benefits in order to attract good employees. And I think they located in the South so that they wouldn't have to unionize. I'm not entirely sure about that now. I think at one time it was more the case. Okay, but I think it's probably part part of the case, and so they're part of the competitive picture too. Well, then that way the competition isn't just the company and the unions; it's location. You know, where are they going to tax them the most? Where are they going to force uh, unionization? Well, yeah, I mean um, that was the first point you brought up. They just go offshore. Yeah, that's right. To go from a, a high union state to a low union state is like the same incentive that that causes you to go offshore. Yeah. Because they're always in competition with other companies that are in a more competitive environment, so they they have to find ways of, of competing. But I, I think I am troubled by this. For example, there are these these massive bonuses and benefits to um, executives who are often removed from their stockholders, and I hold that 
responsibility to this corporate um, entity. The fact that corporate, you know, stockholders are very, very removed from their management. And that's because of corporate limited liability. I think if corporations didn't have limited liability, that if owners of, of stock were fully responsible for their behavior, they'd be a lot more involved with management and they wouldn't, I don't think they'd be paying these massive benefits. I think there's a, there's a, a kind of a sweetheart deals that go along with the executives that get it, the inside uh, connection with the, with the stockholders. And I think that's, uh, that's harmful to the competition. Guess who the highest paid CEO is. Was that Elon Musk? No, <laughs> he gets paid like a, for the like a dollar, oh. a dollar a year or something like that. Oh, um, I think it's uh, uh, Tesla's competitor. Actually, it's called Lucid. Okay, oh. they, they they make the fastest sedan in the world at the moment. Um, he makes like four hundred fifty million dollars a year, and his his company is also on the stock market, and so you know he's got shareholders and stuff too. And I don't know why they would put up with it because. Um, they're not profitable. <laughs> I don't. I couldn't even name one Lucid model. Like, what do they even make? Uh, I think it's called the Air, the Lucid Air. Okay. Yeah. So hmm. that's you know, you both bring up interesting points, and it's it's my understanding that it is the law, right, that corporations must make decisions uh, with a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders, right? Like. They, they can't do things that harm shareholder value. They can do things that eventually harm shareholder value, right? But they can't, they can't set, set the mark in that direction, right? So it, doesn't it behoove the shareholders uh, to either be more vocal about corporate pay or, you know, executive pay? Or, again, since it's, since it's stock markets, a competition as well, Right, take your dollars out of a certain corporation and put it into another that you think is going to maximize your shareholder value. Yeah, right. I mean, that's it's they're still beholden to the same rules of competition, and so getting away with executive pay of that level, uh, again, absent government interference, should be indicative that the stockholders believe that 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 guy was or is worth this much, or right that getting rid of him you know, with his you know, golden parachute is a better option than keeping him as, as CEO, right? And if they negotiate the golden parachute into their contract up front, right, then whose responsibility is that? Who has oversight over that? Because they're all going to do it, right? When it, it's They have the same bargaining power as the collective union, right? I'm worth this much, and I'm putting this clause in, you know, take it or leave it. Right, you you can go find another CEO. There's less of them around, right? But multiple people are in candidacy for the position, and surely one of them will say like, "Well, okay, my golden parachute's only fifty million dollars, right?" Or does that is that indicative that he's going to do a poor job because his golden parachute's not going to be big enough? Like, well, we don't want the guy who thinks he's only worth fifty million dollars when he leaves. We want the guy who thinks he's worth three hundred fifty million dollars when he leaves. I suspect, suspect that they have ways of, of rewarding those on the board of directors in exchange for their rewards. In other words, they, they pat each other's pockets with generous benefits. But that, it doesn't explain why, why a company that behaves that way can do just as well as a company that doesn't behave that way. It seems to me that a company that doesn't um, um, give, ex- I mean, well, it sounds similar to the video I showed you about how government works. Is is it okay if I play it here for you? See if it as long as the audio's good, yeah. Oh, it didn't work. Hold oh, sorry. Boo. I would have to. Could you hear that? Uh yeah. I could not it hear it clear. coming. I could hear it in the background. I could not hear it directly in my earbuds. Okay. I'm 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 gonna hit play. I'm gonna oh wait. It's not going to work either. Oh, shoot. I'd have to do it on his phone. Anyway, we'll skip it. Okay. Now, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I can summarize it for you please. if you want. Yeah, or or I, maybe I can put my headphones on it. Yeah, that'll work. Don't you have the same mixing board I do? Like, just... This, um, for, you can use this. For some reason, when I play videos through my phone, it doesn't go through, through into the mixer. It just... Uh, I got it right into my earphones. 
Oh yeah, he, yeah. So it goes to Ken's headphones, and my headphones, but it doesn't go to Rich. Uh, I don't know why. It's so weird. It must not be going use, through the mixer. They want to use my phone. No, I'll do this. Okay. For estimates from contractors from different countries to paint the White House, the Chinese contractor estimates three million dollars, and the European contractor said the cost was seven million dollars. And then the Pakistani contractor made an estimate of ten million dollars. The president asked the Chinese contractor, "How did you estimate three million dollars?" The contractor replied that one million for paint, for one million for labor, and one million for profit. The president asked the European contractor for seven million. He replied, three million in paint, two million in labor, two million in profit. The president asked the Pakistani how you estimated ten million. The Pakistani contractor said four million for you, three million for me. The remaining three million will be given to the Chinese to paint. And the Pakistani contractor got the contract. The U.S. president. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard something similar before. That's funny. Yeah, yeah that's kind of that's that's more like how the world actually works. Yeah, kickbacks. So. Yeah, I, I learned that in in first grade. Nice. That's a good time to learn that lesson. Yeah, I know. Uh, again, uh, talking to my boss, he is he is. Uh, well integrated into his church. Like he participates a lot in church activities. And apparently the church was thinking about setting up a mission somewhere in India or whatever um, to do some charitable outreach. And the Indian government and regulations are onerous and would not really allow this outreach to occur as they envisioned it. And my comment was, well, it just sounds like <laughs> it sounds like you guys just have to bribe the right people. Yeah. Right. Like I don't. I don't think the answer is no. I think you're you're putting the money in the wrong pockets. Right. If you grease the right, you know, if 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 the permission slip that you need goes through, you know, uh, some Indian bureaucrat, right? Then that's the guy that gets paid first. So he rubber stamps everything you want to do, and then you get to do you get to do your mission work, you know, there. Like that's that seems that seems more transparent. Uh, than the American system where they pretend everything is on the level uh, and and confuse people and gaslight people into thinking that everything's on the level, but it's really those back end handshakes that get you know get things moving, get stuff done. But it's still, if people were to understand that, right? Again, theoretically, uh, they they should withdraw from the stock market and not give these companies the money to do that nonsense, right? Just, just withdraw it. Find, find a more productive outlet uh, or more you know, uh, moral or ethical, if, that, if that's your take on it, a more ethical outlet for your dollar. I don't know what that is, but it's got to be. It can't be the stock market where they're using your stock funds to give, uh, to give CEOs golden parachutes, right? That's... The company's going down in value. You're losing money, and they're paying him, right? They should be paying you back for their failures. And if they don't, and none will, right? Why? Why would you? Why would you feed that system at all? What else we got going on? Nothing. Nothing. I talk, talked about what I the, the movie that I watched. That was that's the highlight of my week and and Sherlock Holmes night. Okay, what, birth, yeah, what is Sherlock Holmes? Okay, Sherlock Holmes no, some, seems weird, but all right, go ahead. Okay, it was somebody brought it up uh, and I didn't touch on it. Somebody's birthday, and she requested uh, everybody sh- uh, show up and dress like uh, characters from Sherlock Holmes. So okay. that was that. She's quite an intellectual, and she read all of his works. And um, Sherlock Holmes is the character. Movies about it too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's um, character from the. Uh, um, uh, late 1800s, 1900s. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah. But uh, so he's, he's a character with um, uh, a lot of sort of, well, some familiar themes that you could imagine for people dressing up and costume. And nobody brought cocaine or what does what Sherlock Holmes use? Uh, laudium. Uh, laudium, <laughs> yeah. okay. Okay. Is, uh, opium. No, we didn't use any of those. No smoke and peace pipe? He did smoke uh, tobacco. Everybody, there were abundance of pipes, but none okay. of them were lit. None of them even had holes in order to 
<laughs> pull smoke through. <laughs> I still, it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a bucket list. It's a, it's a pipe dream at this point. Uh, I don't smoke. I've never smoked. I'm not picking up smoking anytime soon, but I've always appreciated the elegance of a pipe. And so what you I mean, really you wanted. You don't smoke tobacco. What's have that? Have you ever smoked tobacco or have you ever smoked any other? I've never uh, smoked any oh, substance. Okay. Any substance. Okay. Yeah. I tried a cigarette once. It was disgusting. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and, and to, you know, I didn't need to try it to learn that. Right. Like I asked. Well, of course. I asked, I asked my grandma and my dad primarily when I was a little kid, right? Like, what's it like when you first smoke? And they go, well, it tastes bad. Your stomach hurts and you start coughing a lot. And I, well, that fucking sounds terrible. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to do that at all. So I'm just, I'll pass. You know, so I never, I never developed the habit. Um, and if you want to give them the credit for, you know, saying those words to put me off on it, fuck good on them. Right, but it, it was it was not an appealing pitch to start smoking. Like I don't under I don't understand how after the first drag, right, like the nicotine addiction hits you so hard you're like, I want to do that again. Like it's fucking bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. It's like people, you know, the, there's a, a meme or whatever going around, and it's you know like, oh, this food is an acquired taste. I go, well, I don't need to acquire it, man. I like I like stuff that just tastes good the first time. I don't want to have to learn <laughs> to enjoy it. Right, I had a, I had a sip of beer and it tastes like crap, and I'm like, I'm not going to take another sip of that. It's you know, I'll pass. How right? about coffee? Was it uh, a good experience the very first time you tasted coffee? Uh, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want. I don't know about the first time, but I've I I have had my own little coffee cup since I was like two years old. So, coffee was coffee was fed to me early, um, heavily creamed and heavily sugared. And and I have reduced that as my tastes have changed. And now if I get a good coffee, like a really good brewed coffee, then I'll drink it black because I appreciate like that. Do you have any thoughts on cold brewed coffee? Um, I don't like, okay, help me out here because I'm not a coffee aficionado. Uh, I don't like iced coffees. Okay. Um, so it's so cold, cold brewed co- Cold brew is different in that it doesn't use heat to uh, brew it. Okay. And so you basically filter very slowly uh, water through uh, coffee while it's being cooled. Like, you know, you put, you put the machine in the refrigerator while it's okay. brewing. I've heard of like and, nitro uh, brew. Yeah. So similar. Um, uh, so, so cold brew, it doesn't have the, as much acidity in it. And so it even more so doesn't need... Um, any creamer or sugar or anything. Okay. So anyway, try it out. I, I love it. It's my favorite. Well, kind of do you then serve it hot? I do not. I, I drink it cold. Okay. Cause that's, that's but, the other, like if, if I, if I, an ice, an right? iced coffee is completely different than a cold brew coffee because the, the acidity is taken out. And so if you have a cold coffee and it's very acidic, it, yeah, you could definitely taste it's, you know, it's kind of bad. Yeah. Um, but if it's hot, it's fine. And so what I recommend doing is just, you know, try, try the cold brew, um, you know, pay attention to the way it tastes and not so much like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> okay. Someone's going to have to feed me a cold brew coffee because I'm not going to, I'm, I don't have the equipment and I'm not going to seek it out necessarily. But if I'm ever in gotcha. a position to try it, uh, I will, okay. I will well, make a point. To when order you see, one. when you see me in New Hampshire, we'll do it. <laughs> Fucking fantastic. <laughs> But yeah, I I go I go from like hot coffee to uh, frozen dessert coffee. Like I don't like I don't like iced coffee or anything in between. It's like sure. coffee's hot or it's dessert. And if I'm drinking it as dessert, then it's you know heavily creamed, heavily sugared because it's got to be sweet because it's a dessert coffee. Like I'm all about the frappuccinos, mm-hmm. but you know normal coffee, uh, normal coffee is. Again, depending depending on the quality of the roast, right? I'll either I can drink it black if it's good roast, um, or I'll I'll load it up with cream and sugar just for the caffeine. Like I really am, I'm I'm a tea snob. You guys know that, but I'm also I really prefer sodas. Like I don't, you know, <laughs> like that's when I wake up in the morning and I'm tired. I don't really want a cup of coffee. I want like a Monster Energy drink. 
Oh no! And it's I don't <laughs> I don't have one because I don't buy that stuff, right? But that's that's what that's where my preference would be. Like, just give me that, and I'll I'll get I'll get the caffeine buzz on that instead. But I will. I drink I drink one cup of coffee a week most weeks. I average wow. less than a cup of coffee a week. That's impressive. Yeah, and, and again, just I don't. It takes me about a week to to get off of the addic- addiction. And okay. Then, during that time, I'll have headaches and stuff. <laughs> so. Yeah, I get it. I, I don't. I am fortunate to have avoided most addictive substances. Like my only my only real addiction is like video games, and I'm okay with that. Like that's my vice. Other things I enjoy, but I just you know, I feel bad when I'm not playing video games. Mm-hmm. All right, headlines. Headlines. Headline. Uh, why does every Republican candidate sound the same? And I will say this. That <laughs> the headline that I read before clicking into this article said, why does every candidate sound the same? So I don't know, you know, and then, you know, we can get into it if you want to. But there, there was a there was a clickbaity headline that was like, why does every candidate sound the same? And then they transitioned to just Republicans. Uh, headline, Canada. Threatens to fine grocery stores over high prices. A headline, Hawaii Governor Josh Green backtracks on Yimby emergency order. A headline, Chicago Dems Mayor Brandon Johnson now wants to create a city-run grocery stores to promote equitable access to food after Walmart and Whole Foods closed their stores. (laughs) A headline, a nation of snitches. DHS is grooming Americans to report on each other. Headline, tamale police lose their excuse to restrict homemade meals. Uh, Headline, ensuring you'll stop driving. Uh, Headline, does capitalism really make us lonely? Uh, Headline, why we shouldn't fear fear AI destroying hundreds of millions of jobs. And finally, headline, why libertarians must rise above the left-right dichotomy of politics. Which one jumps out at you? One jumped out at me was this one in Chicago where they're going to create the the uh, government store because Walmart and and what other another store Whole Foods. moved out. Yeah, Whole Foods All right, let's moved do out. It. Chicago Dems Mayor Brandon Johnson now wants to create city-run grocery stores to promote equitable access to food after Walmart and Whole Foods closed their stores. Chicago's Democrat mayor wants to create city-run grocery stores to promote equitable access to food after half of the city's Walmart and Whole Foods stores have closed. Mayor Brandon Johnson announced a partnership with the Economic Security Project to open municipally-owned grocery stores in Chicago in a bid to tackle many of the city's so-called food deserts. Um, And I want to interject real quick because I did not know what a food desert was until a few years ago. And it's basically if you don't have a grocery store within a mile of you, like that's, that's the desert, the mile. If you have to go a mile and a half to buy groceries, you're in a food desert. Uh, Johnson's new moves are set up to help repair past harms that have contributed to purposeful disinvestment and exclusion and lack of food access in historically underserved communities. Uh, The liberal mayor said all Chicagoans deserve to live near convenient, affordable, healthy grocery options. We know access to the grocery stores is already a challenge for many residents, especially on the south and west sides. My administration is committed to advancing innovative, whole-of-government approaches to address these inequities. I am proud to work alongside partners to take this step in envisioning what a municipally-owned grocery store in Chicago could look like. The city did not give a timeline for when the initiative would come forward, and the grant money, which will help invest, could come from state and federal tax dollars, not just local taxes, reports CBS. This was mixed reaction to the scheme. Uh, One person wrote on social media, let's see, mayor, major successful retailers and grocery store operators have pulled out of certain zip codes due to chronic crime, but the city of Chicago is going to install and manage taxpayer subsidized stores what could possibly go wrong (laughs) Uh, another added people need to learn not to steal and the grocery stores won't have to close and a third said residents must respect community businesses if they want their services 
uh, the city with a budget shortfall of $538 million, owning grocery stores with taxpayer funds only in some neighborhoods is unsustainable and blatantly preferential. Work to mitigate causes of why stores left. Uh, others accused Johnson's idea of being akin to communism. Another critic said, well, if you want stores to locate in places like that, then maybe you should crack down on crime, particularly shoplifting. Uh, hard for businesses to stay open when your inventory walks out the door with shoplifters. And another person on social media said, I don't believe the city of Chicago could run an ice cream stand in the summertime, <laughs> let alone a grocery store. Uh, in April this past year, Walmart announced that it was shuttering four main stores across Chicago because they were simply not profitable enough. This equated to half of all the stores in the Chicago area. The simplest explanation is that collectively, our Chicago stores have not been profitable since we opened the first one nearly 17 years ago. These stores lose tens of millions of dollars a year, and their annual losses nearly doubled in just the last five years, Walmart said in a statement. Uh, the remaining four Chicago stores continue to face the same business difficulties, but we think this decision gives us the best chance to keep them open and serving the community. Last November, Whole Foods closed in Inglewood, stripping the neighborhood of the fresh food produce and leaving the lot empty for nearly a year. The closings were announced just days before Chicago's newly elected liberal mayor, Brandon Johnson, blamed the city's poverty and crime rates on businesses that don't pay taxes. While Walmart, in their statement, did not specify the exact cause for the continued losses over the Chicago stores, uh, some on social media immediately pointed to crime rates in the area. Uh, to date, in 2023, over 22, thefts are up by 25%, according to the Chicago Police Department, while robberies are up 11%. In 2022, Walmart CEO Doug McMillan had warned that theft in stores around the country could impact stores and cause additional closings. Despite the previous warnings... Uh, the company noted that decision is difficult. The decision to close a store is never easy. The impact is greater than just closing a building. It affects people, people who work in, shop in, and live in communities near our stores. And we never take that lightly, Walmart said. Uh, Walmart officials cited business difficulties in their statement addressing their remaining four stores in Chicago as well. According to estimates from the U.S. Department of Agriculture, 63.5% of residents in West Inglewood and 52% of residents in East Garfield Park live more than half a mile from the nearest grocery store. Amea Pawar, senior advisor at Economic Security Project, says the city of Chicago is reimagining the role of government can play in our lives by ex exploring a public option for grocery stores via a municipally owned grocery store and market. Not dissimilar from the way a library or the postal service operates, a public option offers economic choice and power to communities. A city-owned grocery store in the south or west side of Chicago would be a viable way to restore access to healthy foods in areas that had suffered from historic and systemic disinvestment. Ended the article. So, uh, Imagine a Department of Motor Vehicles next to or operating a grocery store, you know. So you can have your lines for both things. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, the problem was these stores, they, they didn't really explain why they were leaving, but, you know, well, the other people did. It was obvious they were leaving because the, the theft uh, is running rampant. And so the Makes government sense solves to me. the problem with more theft. They're going to steal from taxpayers uh, to subsidize an area that makes a politician look good somewhere. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pathetic um, a story that I, I fear is all too familiar. And it's happened in Hawaii too. You know, Walmart and Long's both closed in downtown Honolulu. And I'm sure that a big part of it too was just theft. Yeah, well, if not theft, right, then, you know, they said like, well, these stores are just not profitable enough. And then they said, well, they're actually losing money, which is you know completely the opposite, right? Like, if you're not profitable enough, maybe you work towards more profitability or you just go, okay, we're, we're still making money, right? Why would we shut down something that's making money unless, you know, we need that yeah. investment to go elsewhere, which again, well, fine. the thing is that the Walmart downtown Honolulu, um, well, there's plenty of people around. I'm, I'm sure they, they sold a lot of stuff. I'm sure the people uh, used that location uh, quite heavily. Um, but if there's just so many people stealing from it, then that's probably, I think that's probably the truth. 
Yeah. Uh, either that or just rent is really high there. I don't think so though, because rent, uh, retail space and other things have been getting hit pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think they would have priced them out of Honolulu. I mean, okay. So in general, my feeling towards that particular location, having been there when it was open, um, is it's, it's a limited location, right? Sure. It, it's, it's there to serve the business class that works in downtown Honolulu nine to five. Well, right? but there are a lot of high rise uh, apartment buildings in that area too. There are now there weren't at the time. Like that's, that's mm. new. Mm. Um, and so there was a lot of businesses that didn't open at night in downtown Honolulu because the market left, right? The market, the, the market that they served went home for the, for the evening. Mm-hmm. And Walmart being a, a, you know, a budget store, right? People tend to purchase an abundance of goods when they shop there. At least that's my experience, right? They got the large baskets, people fill up the large baskets, and then they go check out. Well, again, that particular Walmart uh, didn't have parking, right? There, w- there wasn't like the, the vast Walmart parking lot, you know, for you to park your car in. It, w- it, was, it was a walk-in store. And so you couldn't shop the way you would normally shop or you would no, expect people to shop actually, when you go they, to a Walmart. They did, have, they did have really good parking in the Walmart because it was, before that it was Macy's and before that it was Liberty House. They had this huge parking lot upstairs um, that you could drive into. And it was cheap. It was the cheapest uh, parking downtown. Okay. Well, I, you got I completely missed that. I've you, never parked in that parking lot. I've always <laughs> yeah. And it was free parking if you if you uh, bought something. If so, you bought $10. So, so we've solved the mystery. People just didn't, didn't know how to park there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, because, you know, because I would park downtown, right? I'd park in any number, any number of the Chinatown parking lots downtown, right? And walk. And so, you, you know, again, even if people were more like me, Right, you you walk from the parking garage to your work. You're not going to haul all that stuff back to Walmart, nor are you going to like you know park in Walmart or go to the go grab your car from that parking lot, drive back to the Walmart, park again, have your parking validated again. It's it's I didn't I was not a fan of that location. It didn't just didn't seem didn't seem like an appropriate location for that type of store, and. Right again, right as it abuts Chinatown, right. That's where all the crime is, or a lot yeah. of it, right. And that's the the homeless encampments. You know, I'm I'm sure they're putting up high rises, as you said, Cass. But the homeless encampments, the you know the 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 street urchins, right. That's they were all there. And so if you have a Walmart right there for them to abuse, well, guess where they're going to go. So again, <clears throat> I'm I'm fine with that one closing down. There are better places to go when you just want to go to Walmart. Especially if you have a car. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, you know, th- this food desert, it's a mile, right? <laughs> oh, that's that's uh, undoable, you know. <laughs> you know. People can't walk a mile anymore. Well, and, and I think it's just, it's a city problem, right? <laughs> because there, there, there are people who live in like, you know, rural areas Right, where it's like, ah, we're we're making our weekly trip to the grocery store because we got to drive forty five minutes to get there, right? Like that's it. That has nothing to do with it. It's 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 the crime and the poverty, right? And poverty leading to the crime in an urban area, right, where you can't do much to get out of it. Uh, and when this when this uh, when this municipally run uh, when this municipally run grocery store goes up, right. I would also then make the case for shoplifting because they've already taken your money to pay for it. You ought to get something out of it, right? Any, any tax dollars that go into this thing uh, should, come, should be returned in free groceries. What do you think of that? And it does point out to the, uh, this normal view that people, regardless of the incompetence of government all around them, they still think, oh, when there's a problem still rely on the government you know um and i th- i think this will probably be a popular move of this mayor in chicago to to be proposing this and they said he didn't set a deadline for when they're going to do it and actually i'm guessing it will never happen it's just that yeah he's um going to get some mileage from this 
and it'll be popular for him because of the base that probably voted him in. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they'll blame the corporations for leaving them abandoned, you know. Yep. But but they won't blame their own community, right, for pushing out the corporations by no. with the with the crime and the shoplifting and, and so since on. Since it could come from the state taxes, that means that all the other communities that are doing well will have to pay for it. And so it's it's a, a discrimination and, and actually I'll I'll compare it to uh, the education system. That's why government schools drive out of business uh, private schools because uh, they can take tax dollars and and say that they're feeding the minds of the uh, food for the mind for for young people because there aren't enough private foods for the mind yeah and so they'll further drive them out what do you think the chances are that the municipality reaches out to a grocery store chain and gives them a cushy government contract to provide everything. Yeah, yeah, that could well be. So all of a sudden, Walmart's there, right? But they're not worried about profit profitability as long as their costs are less than the government contract that they've that they've agreed to, mm-hmm. right? And then because of their special deals with the government, then they'll drive out right. any other um, grocers that might be yeah. in the in the vicinity. Half the money for you, half the money for the mayor, and then we'll let Whole Foods run it for half the price. Yeah, yeah right. Frankly, I never thought of it, Whole, Whole Foods as a low-income neighborhood uh, grocery. It's not. It's, it's the, the high-quality stuff that they want everyone to be eating, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, any more thoughts on this article? No. Nope. Final that's thoughts good. for the day? No, that's good. All right. That'll do it for us right. then. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience or t.me slash the anarchist experience. And if you would like to contribute to this show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.